is like you, maker of heaven, Lord of the land, and Lord of the sea, holy and true, faithful and able, Lord of all time and eternity. Dear friend, every word that God speaks is alive and full of power to inform and transform, to make us what He desires us to be. The entrance of His word will give you light. Truth produces roots, and then the roots will produce fruits. God bless you. This message was preached by Dr. Ferdinand Mweke, coordinator of Eternity Ministries. We believe you will be edified. For the inquiries, contact Eternity Ministries, P.O. Box 2637, Bauchi, Nigeria, or telephone 0807 570 or 0802 361 5940, or send us an email at E-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y-M-I-N at yahoo.com. That is Eternity Mean at yahoo.com. Don't forget, the bigger God gets in your eyes. Tiny your mountains become. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Welcome to Living Truth. Uh, like we have uh, pointed out, we will be focusing on Jesus. 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 Uh, he is the topic of our study, Jesus. Uh, he is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Um, let's begin by reading in Hebrews chapter 13 where that text is taken from, uh, Hebrews chapter 13. And um, you can read from verse 1 for context, but I'm just going to read at this time from verse 5. Hebrews 13 from verse 5. It says, let your conduct or your conversation, as King James puts it, is that conduct, actually, manner of life. Um, Let your manner of life be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Be content with such things as you have. Why are you giving this instruction? So he says, because he himself has said. The he himself is emphasized. He himself has said. What did he say? I will never leave you nor forsake you. So note, because he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So what do we say now? Uh, So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So because he himself has said, then we can say. So notice what is going on in this scripture. 
is that what he says forms the basis for what we say. I said what he says, what he says forms the basis for what we say. You are not authorized to say something contrary to what he said. As a child of God, what you say must be in perpetual agreement with what the Father says. That's a very important principle. Because if you are saying something and what you are saying is not in line with what the Father said, then the question is, where did you get what you are saying? Who taught you what you are saying if you didn't get it from the Father? Listen to how the Amplified puts it. It says here, let your character or your moral disposition be free from love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions. Actually, what that verse is saying is that it's not necessary. You don't need to covet anything because your father has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So since he will never leave nor forsake, he will take care of you, he will supply what you need. So the covetousness is not necessary. I don't know if you are getting the, the angle here. You see, this is not a dry command that just wants to harass you, don't covet anything. Look, if you, if you have not provided for somebody and you are telling the person not to covet, your sermon is difficult to obey. Does that make sense? If you have not provided for somebody and you are telling the person don't covet, I mean, you have not given somebody food and you are teaching him not to covet food. It's a difficult sermon. <laughs> Do you understand? But where there is an assurance of provision, there's an assurance that your needs are met, then covetousness becomes unnecessary. I don't know if this makes sense. Yeah. Eh? Imagine that God has provided a wife for you, and then God says, don't covet your neighbor's wife. Now, that instruction is a godly instruction. What, what else do you want him to tell you? Even if he has not yet provided, but you have the promise that he will provide. In other words, you are single, you are praying, and then he says, don't covet your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's husband. That's a correct instruction. But imagine that he cut you off from marriage and he said, don't covet wife or covet husband. It's more difficult. I don't know if you're getting the matter. So what this scripture is telling us here is that the father will provide. He is on your side. So coveting, imagine that you're the son of a king. You don't need to covet what citizens have. Did you hear what I just said? Imagine that you are a prince. You don't need to covet the possession of citizens. Because your father is the king. He owns the whole place. So why are you coveting what somebody has when, imagine our president's children coveting your car. You see, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it doesn't make sense because your father is president and he can afford aeroplanes, let alone cars. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. So he now says, because um, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and what you have, for he, God himself has said, Listen to how the Amplified puts it. God himself has said, eh? I will not in any way fail you. I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree. I'm reading the way it is in the Amplified. There are three negatives in the original. That's why the Amplified is saying all these nots. Eh? So it says, he himself, God himself has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, 
hmm, not leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down. Relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. I don't know if you are following what God said. This is what God said. Now, if God has said something like this and you are saying something opposite to what God said, then you see you are not getting your facts right. So listen to what God said. Let me read one more time. He, God himself has said, a God that cannot lie. What did he say? I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down. Relax my hold on you, assuredly not. Can you imagine God saying, I will not relax my hold on you. I will not fail you. I will not leave you without support. I will not. I will not. I will not. Assuredly not. Are you getting the matter now? So on the basis of what God said, verse 6 now says, So we take comfort and we are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, What do we say? The Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? I don't know if you are following this scripture now. So you see, what we say must be rooted on what God said. And then the scripture now continues in verse 7. It says, remember your leaders, your superiors, those in authority over you who brought the word of God to you. He said, observe Consider their manner of life. Are you getting that now? Look at the way they lived. Learn everything you can from their life. Huh? It says, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow. Where is the faith you are following? You can see it from verse 6. Eh? Follow their faith. Their faith that talks like that. Do you know it's faith that talks like verse 6? Verse, do you know that faith talks? You can actually hear faith and unbelief talk. Faith talks and unbelief also talks. You can tell each one from what they are saying. Listen, you can tell whether you are walking in faith or whether you are walking in unbelief from what you are saying. If you listen to yourself in the light of the word of God, you can know whether you are walking in faith or you are walking in unbelief. Number one, check. What you are saying is in agreement with what God said. No matter the circumstance. Imagine there is no money in your pocket. And you, the question now is, are you going to speak according to your circumstance? Or are you going to speak according to what God said? That's always the challenge. Because our circumstances look as if they are more real than what God said. But faith knows that the word of God created the heavens and the earth. And that that word is more real, far more real than what you see or feel. So he says, remember those people that spoke the word of God to you. Those that rule over you in the faith. Your leaders. Huh? Then he says, whose faith? Follow. Follow their faith. Believe God like they believe God. Trust him like they trusted him. Huh? Dare to step out on his promise like they stepped out on his promise. Talk like they talked. I say talk like they talked. Dare like they dead. I say dare like they dead. 
Be bold like they were bold. Be courageous as they were courageous. Remember the people that you, all the heroes and all these leaders that we have in the faith, both scriptural, contemporary, and in our personal lives. He said, remember them. Then he says, whose faith follow? Whose faith follow? Follow their faith. Why are you supposed to follow their faith? Because, now look at the next verse. That's where verse 8 comes in. You see, the trouble is that people read verse 8 out of context. Now look at verse 8. What does verse 8 say? Eh? Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is always the same yesterday, today, yes, and forever to the ages. Are you following the point here? Don't miss this. What that scripture is saying is, you can trust him like they trusted him because he has never changed. The Jesus they trusted is the same one that you have today. You can believe him like they believed him. You can depend on him like they depended on him. He has not changed. The Jesus that answered them is the same yesterday, today. Yesterday in their time, today in your case, and tomorrow and forever. He has not changed. You can dare like they dared. You can step out of the boat like they stepped out of the boat. Because the same one that told them to come is the one that is telling you to come. The one that helped them to walk on water is the same person that is available today to help you to walk on water. Are you following the scripture? You see, when you say Jesus is still the same, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, you are, make, you are true. But when you now put it in this context, you will see that that is a tremendous encouragement for us to step out on the word of God in our time. To step out in faith in our day. Some people say the age of miracle has passed. The trouble with that statement is that it forgets that Jesus Christ is the same today. You see, the people that say Jesus, the age of miracle has passed, they will agree that Jesus is the same today. None of them will dare to tell you that Jesus has changed. <laughs> so the question now is, if Jesus has not changed, how did you say there was the day of miracle has passed? The truth actually was that there was never a day of miracles. There has always been a God of miracles. And as long as he is the same, as long as he has not changed, miracles will be the normal. Imagine that the tailor is the same yesterday, today, and, and forever. <laughs> then he can sew clothes today like he did yesterday, right? Because he has not changed. He has not changed. He still has his machines. He still has his tools that he works. And he still has his intelligence. Nothing has changed him. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. Do you follow what we are reading here tonight? So God you know, encourages us to step out on his word, to step out on his promise. Why is that so? He said, because Jesus is still the same. He said, you can love him like they loved him. You can seek him like they sought him. You can pursue him. You can, you can lay down your life like they laid down their lives. Why is that so? Because he is still the same in his person, in his worth, in his value, in his size, in his ability, in his greatness. He's still the same. He has never changed. He's the same in his glory. He is the same in his character. He is the same in his personality. He is as valuable as he was when Peter and John and Co. laid down their lives for him. And that same value still calls us to the same sacrifice. 
He is as priceless as he was when Brother Paul put counted everything as dung to seek him. And that fact still calls us to count everything as dung as we seek him. He has never changed. Hallelujah. He is as faithful as he has always been. And that fact calls us to trust him, to cast our cares upon him. Because his faithfulness guarantees our outcomes. He has never changed. Jesus Christ the same. Look, you know what the Bible says? He says, I am the Lord. I do not change. He said, that is why you sons of Jacob, you are not consumed. In other words, the covenant that I had with your fathers, I'm still here to implement them. And I've never changed. The way I defended and protected your parents, I am still here in your day to help you to sustain and to uphold you. That's why you will not be consumed. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Do you follow what we are reading here tonight? And one of the things that bothers me is how the church has forgotten Jesus. That's a very sad statement to make. Jesus has been relegated to the background in his own church. I said Jesus Christ has been relegated, pushed back. All you need to do, listen to our sermons. We basically use the name of Jesus to close our prayers these days. But look at the content of the teaching or the preaching. Check the quantity of Jesus inside. Our, much of the teaching is not focused on the person, the character, the nature, the glory, the work, the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, who Jesus is, what he did for us, his presence, his present ministry at the right hand of the Father. The value of his person. The worth. Do you know that when you talk about worship, worship is actually worth-ship. The word worship is from an old English word called worth-ship. Huh? In fact, even the worth is W-O-E-R-T-H. Worth. Worth-ship. Worth-ship. You know what worth-ship is? It means to ascribe worth. To ascribe value. To ascribe value to a person. Worth. That's why, for example, like the mayor we are telling you about in Freetown. When you want to address a mayor, the proper title is your worship. So you say her worship. And by the way, she's a believer. Say her worship, your worship. So you are ascribing worth to that person and to that office. Are you following the matter? So worship is to worship God is to ascribe worth. Is to ascribe worth to the Father God. Is to ascribe value to Christ. And then the question is, how much is it worth? There was a statement by the American made at the beginning that blessed me. He said, people treat Jesus differently because they see him differently. And that's the truth. The people that sold him for 30 pieces of silver, that's how they saw him. The Bible says, then they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value. And they bought the potter's field. Can you imagine that certain people of the children of Israel were asked to do a valuation? They were asked to do a valuation on the Lord Jesus Christ. And they ended up with 30 pieces of silver. Can you imagine that? You are asked to value Jesus. Just picture Jesus standing and they say value him. And these guys, they checked and checked and the value they came up with was 30 pieces of silver. $21.60. That's how the Amplified Bible puts it. The old Amplified. $21.60. 
you can do the conversion. Maybe add a little to cover for the time when the translation was made. To cover for the inflation. If you do the math, $21 is less than 10000 Whichever way you calculate it. Can you imagine that? That's the value. And that was the price of a servant in the Old Testament. That was the price at which servants were sold. 30 pieces of silver. That's how they saw him. But do you know that the same person that Judas was selling for 30 pieces of silver, another woman, the Bible says, she came with an alabaster box. Do you remember that scripture? That was worth one year's salary. Eh? 300 denarii, the Bible says. And she broke the neck. One person says she broke the neck and then she poured it, she poured it on the head of Jesus. At the same time that Judas was betraying Jesus. I don't know if you're following the matter now. So you are dealing with a matter of value. Now it's a matter of value. Because it's the same person that Judas is selling for 30 pieces of silver that this woman is pouring the most precious, priceless thing she has on his head. And then some people complained. I'm sure Judas was among them. He said, why this waste? Do you know why he can call it a waste? It's his valuation of Jesus. Why are you pouring this thing on this man I'm selling for 30 pieces of silver? The thing you are pouring on him is bigger than him. Oh, did you hear what I just said? That is the, that is the, that is the evil of, of not knowing who Jesus is. The assumption is that what, do you know why they call it a waste? What they are saying is what you are pouring, what you are pouring on, he is not worthy of what you are pouring on his head. What you are pouring on him is too expensive. He is not as expensive as what you are pouring on him. What you are pouring on him does not match him. He is not commensurate. What do you call a waste? A waste is something that is not worth your investment. Eh? It's not worth the effort. Say, if I wasted, it was a waste. Why are you calling it a waste? Because the, the input and the output are not commensurate. The person you are pouring the thing on, your investment is not equivalent to to what you are going to get out of it. Say, so what, what a waste. That is the mindset that rules in most parts of the church. That's why people consider it, if you use your life, Abiola laid down his life for politics. June 12th is being celebrated. He's a hero. But if you lay down your life for Christ, say, what a waste. Can you imagine such a brilliant young doctor? He just wasted his life. He says he's preaching. Because as far as they are concerned, the, 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 the person, Jesus, is not worth your life. Say, so why this waste? Why this waste? This should have been sold and given to the poor. So as far as we are concerned, the poor are more important than him. Some people think that they love the poor more than Jesus. But note what Jesus said. He said, you always have the poor with you, but me, you don't have me here. Ah, do you know that some people came with their ointment to anoint Jesus after he rose from the dead? What did the angel tell them? He's not here. You are too late. Carry your ointment and go home. When it was needed, you were not sensitive enough to pick up the signal, to know the correct time to pour what you need to pour on him. You came late with your offering. Take it and go home. That's what they are going to tell some people on the last day. Some people are going to say, oh, come, come now, we want to pour everything. They say, thank you very much. When we needed you and your life on the altar, the time has passed. The time has passed. They say, why this waste? 
it has to do with a poor vision of who Jesus is. I want to be wasted on Jesus. I was saying to you that worship is the ascription of worth and value. Jesus is still the same. He is still the same priceless son of God. The worthy one. You know the song they are singing in heaven? They say, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and glory and honor and, and wealth and blessing. Worthy. Jesus is still the same. He is still the same one that said it is finished. And what he finished is still finished. He has not changed. And you know, interestingly, on the cross, Jesus Christ did not say, I am finished. Which is what he should have said. Because if you are being crucified, you understand the point? What are you supposed to say? Yeah, I am finished. Yakari, I'm finished. Eh? That's not what Jesus said. He said, it is finished. And he's still the same. And you know, the wonder of what Jesus did is that Jesus is alive to implement what he paid for. I said, Jesus is alive to do what? To implement what he paid for. He not only purchased salvation, he is alive to be the guarantee of the covenant that he established. Jesus is still the same. He has never changed and he will never change. That is our guarantee that we will not be consumed. That's our guarantee that we can trust him like the people of old trusted him. That's our guarantee that we can expect what happened 2,000 years ago. Hallelujah. To still happen in our time. We can expect another outpouring. You know, like on the day of Pentecost. Hallelujah. Because the same person that brought that outpouring is still the same. He has never changed. Hallelujah. So there are He's the same person. I said he's the same person. He's the same power. He's the same savior. And he's the same compassionate one. His compassion has not changed. His compassion has not changed. Oh, you know, one of the things that touched me in scripture is when the Bible talks about the compassion of Jesus Christ. One time a leper came to Jesus. And the leper bowed down at his feet. And the leper said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And scripture says, Jesus, Jesus, stretched out his hand. The Bible says he was moved with compassion. He said, Jesus, move with compassion. He stretched out his hand and he touched him. He said, I will be clean. And the leprosy disappeared. Move with compassion. You know, you see that moved. You know, and I, I, I'm looking at the word moved moved you know moved means motion am i correct yes. this is the rock of ages what can move the rock of ages imagine the rock himself what is what is powerful enough to move the rock is his compassion move carried compassion carried him in the direction of that man his unquenchable compassion what the Bible calls the bowels of Christ. The bowels, the tender mercies of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He has never changed. Compassion. The compassion of Christ. Do you know that instead of struggling for faith, just be looking at the compassion of Jesus. Do you know that you don't need too much faith to believe in compassion? Did you hear what I said? 
Compassion overrides a lack of faith. There are people that Jesus ministered to and healed in scripture that he did not ask them about faith. He didn't say, do you believe? One day he was entering the city of Nain and there was, there was a parade going out and it was, they were carrying the son of one widow woman. Her husband had died, we don't know how long ago. And now her only son had also died. And they were carrying him out to go and bury him. And the Bible said miraculously, Jesus at that particular moment, Jesus was entering into the city. You see, the miracle of your life is that you and Jesus, you, you, your path crossed. If they were carrying, carrying something that belonged to you to go and bury, and you and Jesus didn't pass by the road, there was no meeting point, there would have been no hope. But the miracle for us is that our paths cross with the Son of God. He changed our death to life. I say he changed our death to life. Our path crossed. Our path crossed. As finality, the final nail was going to be put in our coffin. Jesus was coming in the opposite direction. He said, no, you can't carry him to that graveyard. I am taking him back into town. I'm not, I'm not done with him yet. The Bible says as, as they were carrying the beer, the coffin, and they were coming down, moving, Jesus saw them and he was moved with compassion towards, towards the woman. He, he touched the beer and the Bible said the people stopped. And Jesus said, woman, don't weep. I can imagine her. She thought that this is just somebody who is encouraging her. And the, her plan was to wipe her eye, thank him for his encouragement and continue the funeral procession. Wow. But then Jesus moved with compassion. The woman was weeping. She has no... Which faith? Which faith? She didn't have space to believe anything. Her eyes blocked. She's not thinking of what to even want to believe. Nobody even preached a sermon. Madam, have faith. Your son is going to rise again. Nothing like that. But she met the compassionate one. Oh, he changed everything. The Bible says he spoke to the cops. He said, young man, I say to you, rise up from that place. Wow. That's how, that's how the guy, that's how the guy stood up. Then the woman cleared her eyes. She cleared her eyes. It looked like a dream. Oh, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, he said, we, we are like those that dreamed. We thought we are dreaming. That is Jesus for you. He was moved with compassion towards her. The Bible said, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. It's still the same. People don't understand who Jesus is. No matter what you do, even when you commit sin, you'll be running back to him. You will be running into his arms. Where else do you want to go to? But you see, the way Christ has been presented, he looks like one taskmaster who is waiting for you to be perfect before you come near him. Jesus was so compassionate towards the lost that they called him the friend of sinners. Says this man is a glutton. He's eating and drinking with sinners. If Jesus, imagine that Jesus came today to do that. Some church members will preach against him. No, 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 no. He was not compromising with sin, but his compassion towards all of us. Look at the day he went to the house of uh, Zacchaeus. You remember? Eh? When he saw Zacchaeus, he said, Zacchaeus, come down. Today I'm going to, I'm going to be in your house. You know what some people said? Bible said they murmured against him. They said, he has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. 
That's what they said. What we are doing themselves. All of them that we are saying that, what we are doing themselves. Were they more righteous than Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was stealing money in the office, but some of them were committing adultery with somebody else's wives. Some of them were telling lies in their houses. Were they better than Zacchaeus? Some of them were Pharisees that were oppressing widows and plundering their houses. Jesus Christ is still the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. He is still the same lion of the tribe of Judah. Oh, the Bible says John was weeping. You remember that story? And when there was this book, a scroll in the hand of Almighty God, and the angel was proclaiming, who is worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals? And the Bible said nobody was found in heaven or on earth. Who was worthy to take the scroll and to open it? Oh, and then one of the elders said to John, he said, don't cry. John began to weep uncontrollably. The elder said to John, don't cry. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he has prevailed to take the scroll and to open the seals. The lion of the tribe of Judah, he has prevailed. He has prevailed. He is still the same prevailing one. He has never changed. He has prevailed to collect. Do you know that that announcement was being made? Who is worthy to go and collect something from God? No, do you know that nobody can collect anything from God for you? Nobody is able. Can you imagine that consuming fire is sitting down and is holding something? Let's assume he's even holding miracle. He said, Come and take. <laughs> picture that consuming fire. Imagine that a lion is sitting down and is holding miracle. He said, come and take. <laughs> Something will tell you to sit, stay on your chair. That's what happened on that day. The God of the universe, the terrible God, was holding a book. And that book contains the destiny of the nations. Because when Jesus began to open that book, things began to happen. When you open the first seal, boom, something began to happen. You open the next seal, something began to happen. Do you know that you yourself, you also have a book of your own destiny? David said, even before I was born, all of my life was written in your book. Eh? Even before I lived one day of my life, they were all written down inside your book. Eh? Everything was written down in your book. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All, everything was written in your book. So just like there is a book of the destiny of the nations, every one of us has a book of our own destiny. There is a book where God has written, read Psalm 139. Even Jesus, when he came into this world, he said, Lo, I come to do your will as it is written of me in the volume of the book. So there is a book that has something written about you. And he pictured the almighty God holding the book. Who is worthy to go and collect it? And to begin to open the chapters of your life. To open your encounters with destiny. To unlock the next levels. And the next chapters. Where God is taking you. Who is qualified to collect it and to open it? The Bible says the announcement was made. Nobody was found in heaven or on earth. John began to weep. Just like all of us are, called, are supposed to cry. Who will open the next chapters of my life? Whoa. Then one of the elders came to John. And he said, don't cry. Don't cry. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Yes. 
the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he has prevailed. He has prevailed. He, John, don't cry. We have victory guaranteed. He has prevailed. You see what the elder did is what genuine elders do. The elder pointed John to Jesus. Now we have preachers and elders and papas that are pointing people to themselves. This is in heaven. This elder has a crown of gold on his head. He didn't say, John, John, buddy, come, look at me here. He said, no, look, look, look. The lion of the tribe of Judah, he has prevailed. As people come to us weeping, hallelujah, I say as people come to us weeping over the unopened, uncollected matters of their life, what are we supposed to say? Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, he has prevailed. He has prevailed. He has prevailed. Who can collect forgiveness for us from the hand of Almighty God? Who can collect grace? Who can collect healing for us? Who can collect answer to our prayers? You see, as we are making answers to prayers, our answers are with the Father. Who can collect it from the Father? But behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, he has prevailed to collect the answer for your, to your prayers. When his name is mentioned, the Father releases what he's holding. Because of who he is to the Father. That's why he says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. So the father, picture the Father is holding the thing. And then you come in the name of the lion of the tribe of Judah. The, the Father says, sure, here. The Father will give it to you. That's what Jesus said. Why is it so? Because it's as if he himself is coming to the Father and to collect it personally. Because you came in his name. You see, when you come in somebody's name, it's as if the person is there. Imagine that if you took a check to the bank. Do you know that you are coming to the bank in somebody's name? You are coming in the name of the person. I saw a friend of mine gave me a check the other day. I went to the bank. All they needed to do was to identify me. And they had to give me the money. But So, do you know that as far as they are concerned, it's not me they gave money to. It's the owner of the account that they paid. <laughs> do you understand the point? Which is why you have to confirm. And once you confirm, they don't have to like my face to give me the money that my friend has in his account. They only need to confirm my identity. What if my nose was three meters long? If this is the Mr. Ferdinand, the Dr. Ferdinand, you have to give him the money. Are you, are you getting the matter here? That's what happens when we come in the name of Jesus. Because he has prevailed, the Father gives to us what he collected on Calvary. I said the Father gives us what Jesus paid for on the cross of Calvary. The lion of the tribe of Judah, he has prevailed. Jesus is still the same. The same creator. When you read John chapter 1, you come and hear the Bible, he said, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. Uh, and the word was God. The same was with God in the beginning. All things were made by him. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. All things were made by him. Look, brothers and sisters, let's study Jesus. Some people think that preaching Jesus is not enough sermon. Look, the person of Jesus is worthy of our study every day. He's enough. There's nothing you will not find inside him. If you decide to study Christ as the creator, Christ as the creator, do you understand what it means 
that Jesus created everything. All things were made by him. All things, including Nigeria, including the oil in the ground, including your brain, including your body. Do you know that if a part of your body is sick, remember, all things were made by him. If the carpenter that made a chair cannot repair the chair, he's not the one that made it. All things were made by him. All things. Say, for by him, Colossians chapter 1, he said, for by him we are all things created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether they are thrones or principalities or dominions, all things we are made for his own use and glory. And he is before how many things? All things. And in him, all things hold together. All things we are made by him. People are pursuing witches and wizards. Do you know that the witches and wizards that are threatening you, we are made by him? Of course, he didn't make them as witches and wizards. That means they are less than what he made them now. You hear what I said? All of these unclean spirits are less than what, how Jesus made them. So how can, they, how can they harass a person that is carrying their maker? Hallelujah! You see, people are doing, a lot of people are busy doing what they call deliverance. Shouting at demons. You, you don't understand. For me, the big deliverance is that the head of all principalities and powers is resident inside me. I'm carrying him inside. That is deliverance. That is irreversible, permanent deliverance. What are they going to do with a person that is carrying their head? He said, you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and powers. Including the good ones and the bad ones. Because principalities and powers include the positive and the negative. There are positive principalities. But even the negative, remember that Satan and all of his demons, they are less than how Jesus created them. I never heard anything like that before today. I'm saying it, I'm hearing it as I'm preaching it to you. They are less than how he made them. Meaning that now, now they are handling them now is far easier than, than they were before he, when he made them the first time. Because they fell. They fell from where they were. So they are less. They are not where they used to be. Even when they were where they used to be, they were under his authority. Let alone now that he's, he's, he, now that they fell. The apostles came back and they said to Jesus, say, Lord, even the devils are subject to us in your name. The word is even, even the devils. You know, it's like, hey, come and see. Even, you know, in their mind, the devils are big. And Jesus said, Jesus said, the devils are subject. He said, don't rejoice about that. He said, I beheld Satan like lightning fall down from the sky. You are surprised that he is obeying you because you didn't see when he fell. The reason you are surprised that they obey you at my name is that you didn't see when they fell. But I saw him. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. You see, lightning is so fast that everybody doesn't see lightning. And you know, he's an angel. he was an angel of light. So when he fell, just imagine a bolt of light go like this. So most of creation didn't see his fall. But the person that kicked him out of heaven saw him. One Bible version says, I kept my eyes on Satan and I watched how he fell. 
<laughs> like lightning out of the sky. He said, I was watching him. I saw him fall. You didn't see him fall. So you are surprised that he's obeying you in my name. But I saw him. Say, behold, I have given you authority and power over all the powers of the enemy and nothing. See, to trample on snakes and scorpions. You know the word trample is not a friendly word. You know, he's just trampling on our rights in this office. <laughs> you know, he gives you the picture of somebody who just, your rights are on the floor and the man is just, <laughs> he's just trampling. Jesus said, I give you power to trample on snakes and scorpions. When you are trampling on something, you don't even need to look at what you are trampling on. It's not to walk on, it's to trample. Trample is not, trample is not a friendly word. To trample on snakes and scorpions and on over every power of the enemy. And he said, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Look, let's look for Jesus. I'm looking for Jesus now. I'm studying Christ. I, I'm, I'm meditating on Jesus. In the night before I sleep, I, my mind is filled with Jesus. I'm thinking, I'm looking at him. I, he's mind-boggling. Sometimes I, I'm, I'm shout, I just start shouting. Jesus is not a story. You see, in the early church, Jesus was not a story. He was a person. Even after he died and rose, do you know, did you hear what he said to them in the book of Revelation? What he said to John? Eh? The Bible said, John said, when I turned to hear the, to see the owner of the voice that was talking to me, John said, I saw this person. His head and his hairs were white like wool. His eyes were like a flame of fire. He said, his he was clothed with this garment, uh, you know, down to the foot. He had a golden sash around his chest. He said his feet was like brass burning in a furnace. He said his face, his countenance was like the sun shining in its full strength. His voice was like the sound of many waters. The voice of Jesus Christ. This is the risen Christ when John saw him. He said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. This is John that used to lean across on his chest and say, Lord, who is it? But when he saw the glorified Christ, he said, I fell at his feet as dead. I want you to listen. In the presence of Jesus, everything collapses to the ground. To ground zero. When Saul of Tarsus saw him on the way to Damascus, all the discussion that Jesus had with Saul, Saul was talking from the floor. When you talk to Jesus, you talk, you do, that's if you're allowed to talk. The first thing that happens when you come before Jesus Christ is you collapse on your face. It's automatic. It's not, I want you to, let me give you an example. Do you know that the Bible says that inside Christ, you have the fullness of the deity in Christ? What that means is that, my brother, please stand up. Israel, stand up. Imagine that this is Jesus Christ. And I want you to listen. Jesus is a person. He was a human being. He was born. He was not a giant. I said Jesus was not a giant. In fact, I believe he was our height. He was an average. The Bible says when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. In other words, there is nothing special. He could disappear in a crowd. I mean, they were looking for him. You remember? The Bible says he just entered into the crowd and they didn't know who is who. They needed the Judas to point out that this is the one. Because without that, you could have arrested Peter. 
or Thomas, <laughs> you understand the point, or John, you get my point? Meaning that he looked like the rest. And some of those people, we are young people. We are not told the ages of James, Peter, John. They were young people. They were not, some of those things showing Peter as an old man and Jesus as a young man is not correct. If you look, if, if, if all of them were old people and Jesus was a young man, they don't need Judas. They know that this is a person. So he was a person like this. But you know what the Bible said? The Bible said, inside this person, the whole fullness of God. Open to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Ah, Jesus Christ. Study Christ, I beg you. Stop all the other Bible studies and just study Jesus. And tell the preachers to stop preaching their seven steps and ten, uh, ten something and three, uh, three principles. Let them focus on Christ. Have you seen Colossians chapter 2? Read verse 10 for me. Read verse 9 and 10 for me. For in him for in him that is in Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, you, 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 and the next verse says, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. Now, read it from a simpler translation. Read verse 9 from a simpler translation. For in Christ, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God. In Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. In a human body. Everybody listen. He said, in Christ lives what? All the fullness of God. We are, we are inside the human body. In Christ lives all the fullness. Listen to the Amplified. The Amplified Bible says here, he said, chapter 2, verse 9. He said, For in him, that is in Christ, he said, the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell in bodily form. Giving complete expression of the divine nature in Christ, the whole fullness. Look at chapter 1, verse 19, Colossians 1 19. Listen to it from, from the Amplified. Can you read it? 1 19. For it pleased the Father, yes, that in Christ should all the fullness dwell. He said, It pleased the Father. Are you following? It pleased the Father that in Christ should what? All the fullness. Listen to the Amplified Translation here. He said, For it has pleased the Father that all the divine fullness, the sum total of the divine perfection, powers and attributes, should dwell in him permanently. I want you to listen here. He said, It has pleased the Father that all the divine fullness, do you understand the divine fullness? It means everything that makes God, God. All the divine fullness. It pleased the Father that all the divine fullness, the sum total, you understand sum total? This is basic mathematics. The sum total of what? Hmm? Of all the divine perfection. The sum total of all divine perfection. Then he said powers and attributes. 
So every divine attribute, the wisdom of God, the power of God, the holiness of God, the, the, the fire, the consuming fire of Almighty God, the holiness of the eternal Jehovah, his, his omnipresence, his omniscience, his limitless power, ten, yeah, hallelujah to the Son of God, the greatness, the majesty, the unlimited knowledge, it pleased the Father that the sum total of all of that should dwell inside Jesus Christ permanently. So he said, in Christ, you have all of God inside the human body. Listen, he's not a giant, he's a person. So imagine the concentration, imagine the intensity of standing in his presence. Can you imagine, do you know that Jesus Christ is hotter than the sun? He created them. Jesus Christ, the presence of Christ is more terrible than a thousand atomic bombs. You can't stand in front of an atomic bomb. But Jesus is the maker of the atom. He is the one that gave life to atoms. He is the one that put power inside the atom. Imagine such a potential, hallelujah, to the Son of God. Imagine the limitless power that is resident in such a person. One person. And then you stand in his presence. He said his face, his face was like the sun shining in its strength. Just say that you can't look at, if the sun is shining 12 o'clock, you can't look at it. When Paul saw him on the way to Damascus, Bible said a light, this was 12 noon in the afternoon, he said, but the light was brighter than the sun. Can you imagine a light that is shining at 12 o'clock in the afternoon and it is brighter than the sun in the sky? He said, immediately I saw him, I collapsed from either whether he was trekking or he was on a donkey or on a horse. If next thing he found himself on the floor. And then I, he's, and I heard a voice. He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He didn't ask him. He said, hey, hey, you there, what's your name? He knows him. All the fullness of the omniscience of Jehovah is resident inside. He knows. He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you. Can you imagine? You are persecuting somebody. But it is not hard for the person you are persecuting. It is hard for you. <laughs> Can you imagine that? It's like you are kicking the rock. It's hard for you. The rock of ages. If, if you fall on him, you'll be broken. If he falls on you, you are crushed. But the rock remains the same. Whether you, you fall on it or it falls on you, it's your outcome that will be different. But the rock remains the same. It does not change. My brother, please sit down. So picture a person. You know, in my mind, do you know that after Jesus rose from the dead, Mary mistook him for the gardener. Bible said when she saw him, she thought he was a gardener. And she said, sorry, if you have carried him away, please tell me where you have carried him, taking him so I can go and carry him away. Then, Jesus said, Mary. Ah, wow. There was a way he called her. When she heard that, she said, Rabboni, it's you. Rabboni. And she came to touch me. He said, don't touch me yet. I've not yet ascended to my father and your father. My God and your God. But I'm coming. Go and tell my brethren. Jesus. Now let me tell you the one that is mind-boggling. Is that all of this limitless, terrible, unfathomable power is under complete control. 
can stand like that and compassion is oozing out towards his own. Limitless compassion. Hey, look, since I've been studying Christ of recent, I've just been shouting. I've just, I just start shouting. I just start shouting. You people don't know Jesus Christ though. And that's why when we mention his name, things don't happen because you don't know the owner of the name that you are calling. If you see Jesus as he is, you will know that this person can save me. You will know that this person can heal me. The Bible says one woman that had that issue of blood, you remember her? She had suffered all kinds of things from all kinds of doctors. But the Bible says she heard about Jesus. Come on, somebody. She heard about Jesus. She heard. And the people that told her about Jesus, they told her well. They told her properly. They say, Madam, Madam, there's one man like this, eh? Hmm, Madam. Hmm. We are there that day. And he just, one blind man, he just touched his eyes and poof, his eyes opened. The woman say, eh? They say, Madam, we were there that day. The cripple just jumped up. The woman say, eh? They say, Madam, we were there that day. He took five loaves of bread. He fed 5,000 people. The woman say, eh? They say, Madam, we were there that day. The man had been deaf and he couldn't talk. He just touched the ear and the mouth and he said, Epfata, Epfata. Once he said, Epfata, open. Madam, the man could hear well and the man could talk fluently. The woman say, eh? Then they told her, say, Madam, Madam, there is one more we must tell you. She said, what is it? He said, Madam, there was this man called Lazarus. The man died. In fact, we went to the funeral to go and greet his sisters, Mary and Martha. Madam, they sent for him, but he was not nearby that time. But eventually he came home. It was four days after. And the woman said, eh? He said, Madam, when the man came, he said, your brother shall rise again. I heard when he was telling the, the sister of the dead man. Me, I thought he was joking, though. Madame, 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 we are there that day. Madame, when we, he now came, he said, roll away the stone. Some of us talk, say, Madame, that day, Kai, this man don't cross the line, oh. If the people are still alive, we can understand your healing power. But this man has been in the grave for four days, and you are saying that you roll away the stone. Even the sister of the man said he's stinking, he's smelling by now. Madame, they rolled away the stone. The man shouted, Lazarus, come out! Madame, that's how this man that had been dead for four days came out of the grave. He stepped out of the grave. Madame, we saw him. We saw him. We were there that day. The woman said, eh? Then she said, if he is like that, he doesn't need to touch me and I don't need to touch him. All I need is a little current, a little power from the helm of his garment. He is far too big for my problems. See, you see, you see, what the woman heard about Jesus generated faith inside her heart. She knew that if he is like that, the woman said to herself, what is, me, I'm not dead. I have not died for four days. My only problem is that I'm bleeding. I've been bleeding for some time, but I'm still alive. I don't, if I touch him, the current will be too much. I just need to touch the helm of his garment and I will tap sufficient power to solve a problem that all the doctors of Palestine cannot solve. And Bible says she came in the press. She came in the press. In her mind, she said, all I need to do is to touch the hem of his garment. I don't need to touch him. Where is he? They say that's the one. She just kept on going. She, and until she, pop, she touched Jesus. The Bible says immediately, 
Immediately. Immediately. A sickness that all the doctors in Palestine could not handle disappeared instanta. Instantaneously. Then say, Who touched me? Jesus said, Who touched me? Who touched me? Who touched me? They said, Lord, everybody is doing this. I'm not talking of all of you who are following me, but you don't know who I am. Who touched me? Who touched me? Who touched me? Who touched me? He has a power gauge inside. Hey, I said he has a power gauge. And the indicator showed that power has just gone out now. He's, and, and he has to account for it. To the father. Say, who touched me? Who touched me? Who downloaded something from here now? Who, who, who used some of my data? <laughs> who, 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 is that? who connected to my network? <laughs> who, who, who touched me? Who touched me? Who touched me? You will touch him more. Apart from touching him, let me even tell you the biggest one. Is that this Jesus I'm describing lives inside your heart. He said, Christ in you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. The guarantee of glory. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. Do you understand what we are looking at here tonight? We can't finish this study. I'm just sharing with you from my spirit. You see the same. He has not changed. Jesus Christ. Ha! Hey! The Bible said, Then I saw heaven opened, and then come and see this white horse with a rider on the white horse. Let's go to that place. Maybe that's where I will stop. Go with me to Revelation chapter 19. Hey! Revelation 19 from verse 11. 19 11. Say, Now I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called what? Faithful and true. He is still the same. He has never changed. He is still faithful and true. Faithful means dependable. Reliable. The one, the trustworthy one. The one that is worthy of your confidence. You see, people trust a lot of people. But the person you should trust, you are not looking at him. The Bible says Jesus came to bind the broken hearted. I'm asking myself, where did they keep their heart that it broke? You are not, you are not getting the point. Jesus came to bind the broken hearted. It means they trusted their heart to somebody that broke it. Because your heart will not break except it, is, it was broken by something. So maybe they carry. I was preaching in a program in Lagos, big program of a major denomination in Nigeria, one of their top leadership programs. And just as I was going to go, they had called me to go from where we are sitting, you know, to come to the podium where there were a few seats just for those who minister, because I was speaking next. So they carried my laptop. It was my first laptop, incidentally. They carried that laptop, and I carried the laptop, went up to that place. So before I went up, one of the ushers carried the laptop, you know, and took my things to go and set up on the podium so that next I can just go up to go and speak. Brothers and sisters, I think I bowed my head to pray or something. By the time they called me and I walked up, I looked at my laptop. It was smashed. My laptop was broken. And my notes were inside that laptop. <laughs> Do you understand? Yes. What I'm going to preach is inside. And my, my notes. <laughs> I just looked at the thing. It was broken. I called the usher. I said, what happened? He, he said, mm -hmm. he didn't want to admit. 
you know what happened? I now saw that the podium, the podium was unstable. So what happened was that he had put my laptop on that thing and then the thing tumbled and then he just picked it up and put it back and walked away. Usher. He never admitted. I mean, I'm, I'm the one that was carrying the laptop. It was perfect. I gave it to him. He went and put it on this unstable podium. I'm asking, where did people put their hearts that it broke? You don't, Jesus has never broken one heart. He is a trustworthy one. Faithful and true. You can trust him with your heart. You can trust him with your secrets. You can trust him with your past. You can trust him with your future. You can trust him with your present. You can trust him with your tears. You can trust him with your pain. You can trust him with what is dearest to you. You can hand it over to him. Faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. Hey, hey. This is one of the descriptions of Christ that is consistent throughout the New Testament. The glorified Christ. His eyes are like flames of fire. And I'm asking myself, where will you hide on that day? What can you hide in front of him? Eyes that are like flames of fire. As he's looking at, you know, some of you, you have bosses like that in the office. When the man is looking at you like this, you start telling him what he didn't ask you. <laughs> you just start confessing all your, he didn't ask you, but something says he already knows. The way he's looking at me now, he can see. He looks as if the man can see into you. You have not seen anything yet until you see Jesus Christ. Eyes that are flames of fire. War. His eyes are like flames of fire. No secret can be hidden. But the question is, why do you want to hide what he wants to forgive? Why do you want to hide when he wants to forgive you? That's the question. Why? Why do you want to hide from the person who loves you? Because those flaming eyes are also filled with compassion as he looks at his own. Eyes of fire burning with compassion for his people. Burning with righteousness. In righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And come on, come on somebody in this place. And on his head, on his one head, Hallelujah. On his head, we are what? Everybody now? Many crowns. Many crowns. On his head. I don't know how they arrange the crowns. And don't assume that you know how many. When the Bible says many. On his head. One head. We are many crowns. Many crowns. Crowns are indicators of victory. You get crowns from fighting battles. You get crowns from accomplishment. So imagine for every soul saved, one crown on his head. One crown for saving Ferdinand and for saving all of you that are seated in this place. And for saving hundreds of millions and billions down through the ages. One crown, one massive crown. Oh, for shedding his blood on the cross. One crown for his seat at the right hand of the Father. One crown as the lion of the tribe of Judah. One crown for every answered prayer. On his head. One head. On his one head. 
We are many crowds. I can imagine the crowns towering into the heavens as he sat on the white horse. And the crowns are not falling off because he is worthy. So all the crowns are sticking to his head. All of them are plastered on him. They say, you are correct. This is where we belong. Today, we belong on your head. On his head, we are many crowns. Come and hear the Bible. And he had a name written that no one knew except himself. Can you imagine that? There is, Jesus has names by which he is called that you know nothing about. He doesn't concern planet Earth. Maybe they concern other parts of the universe. Hey, yeah, come. Do you hear what I'm talking about here? You know you assume that planet Earth is all that Jesus has to deal with. You are joking. Imagine the person that created the galaxies. More than 300 sextillion stars. 300 billion trillion stars. Plus, with all the planets in their, in their orbits. He's the one that came to die on planet Earth. What love? He has a name written. Ha! Look, there are things about Christ that will be revealed throughout all eternity. He will be revealing his names. He will be showing us different aspects of his limitless character. He has a name written that nobody knows except himself. Verse 13. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. The word of God. He was clothed. Imagine a person that is wearing a robe dipped in blood. The question is whose blood? Which blood is qualified for Jesus to wear if not his own blood? So, as he's going to battle, I want you to picture this thing. He's wearing a garment that is dipped in the blood that he shed. And he's alive. Did you understand what I'm talking about? Imagine that all the blood that was inside you came out and they soaked your dress inside. How will you be alive to wear it? Because the life is in the blood. But he said, I am the one that was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades and hell. And now imagine that as he's going to battle, he's wearing a robe dipped in the blood which shows the price that he paid. So imagine the temperature as he's going to fight that battle. Imagine that you use your blood to pay for something and now you are, you are dressed in that blood to go and fight the battle to collect what you paid for. That's fine. You see the next verse. He say he treads the winepress of the wrath of Almighty God. Huh? Look at it. He say, and the armies in heaven followed him. There are armies in heaven. Oh. Every kingdom has to have armies. Nigeria will be a banana republic if it doesn't have armies. And it's not a kingdom. So imagine the kingdom of heaven. There are armies in heaven. The armies in heaven, they followed him. Clothed in fine linen, white and clean. They followed him on white horses. Look at verse 15. He said, now, out of his mouth goes what? A sharp sword. That with it he should strike and smite the nations. And he himself will rule over them with a rod of iron. Yeah. 
Did you understand? He said, out of his mouth. Picture a person that what is coming out of his mouth are swords. Sharp sword coming out. Out of his mouth. That you're correct. What is happening to you is correct. If you, you cannot see him, you cannot see him and, and, and be normal. It's not possible. We are not studying Christ. I don't understand this, you know. And this, we are supposed to be his church. I don't know how he has been forgotten in his own church. And that's why his presence is not strong in our congregations. Because we are not focused on him. When you start describing him and gazing on him, he manifests his power. You know when John saw him in chapter 1, Jesus said to him, he said, Bible said, when John turned, heard all the voice, he said, I turned to see the voice of the person that was speaking to me. And I saw somebody like the son of man. Then he began to describe him. He says, he was walking among the seven lampstands. Do you remember that? And those seven lampstands are the churches. That's Jesus. He's walking. He's not an absentee Lord. He's walking in the midst of his church. But when his church does not honor him and recognize him, the manifestation of his presence cannot happen in his fullness. Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he will smite the nations. You see all these people that are making noise, all these politicians. The thing is that your case has not come up yet. I say Jesus has not... You see, important people function by appointment. Jesus has set appointment for the nations. He has set an appointment for the devil. He has set an appointment for Nigeria. He has set an appointment for America, for the West, the East, the nations of the earth. He, he has an appointment even for the children of the bond woman. You can be arguing until the day of your appointment arrives. The word will come out like a sword out of his mouth to settle your case permanently. For better or for worse. I say for better or for worse. He said he will rule them with a rod of iron. Imagine, the Bible says, he will break them to pieces like clay pots. Imagine that this is clay pot and Jesus is holding a rod of iron. How much resistance can clay pot resist a rod of iron? Imagine that you raised a rod of iron and brought it down on a clay pot. What is the hope of the clay pot? That is the absoluteness of the authority of Christ over everything created. They are like clay pots and he's holding a rod of iron. Every sickness is like a clay pot and he has a rod of iron. All the nations are like clay pots and he has a rod of iron. Sin is like a clay pot. He has a rod of iron. His authority is absolute. It's irresistible. Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. That with it, he will smite the nations. And he himself will rule over them with a rod of iron. And he himself threats the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And look at verse 16. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written. What is the name, everybody, please now? King of kings and Lord of lords. Glory to the Son of God. King of kings and Lord of lords. The king of all those that rule. And the Lord of all those that will lordship. Friends, Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. He has never changed. Gaze on him. Kiss the son. That's the instruction. They say, kiss the son. Come to his feet in worship. 
gaze upon his glory. You know what the Bible says? He said, but we all with unveiled face. As we begin to gaze on him, what happens to us, please, now? He said, we are changed. We are transformed. We are transfigured from one degree of glory to another degree of glory by the Spirit of the Lord. Something happens to us. That's the, that's the key. Our own transfiguration is dependent on our seeing him. So that's fine. If we don't see him as he is, we ourselves cannot be transfigured. We remain as we are until we see him as he is. The Bible says, when we shall see him, we shall be like him. Why? He said, because we shall see him as he is. We shall see him as he is. So the more we see him as he is, the more we become like him. The more we are being transfigured from one degree of glory to another degree of glory by the working of the spirit of God in our hearts. Rise on your feet. Let's worship him tonight here. Let's give you praise. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Worship him. Worship him. Give him praise. Give him glory. Oh, bless the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Oh, glory to the Lamb of God. Oh, yeah. Tose makayataya. Tose 